Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I have a very, very special guest on my program. Um, actually, it's great because I started interacting with him last year when I first started my YouTube channel on Reddit. And you're kind of a legend on Reddit, dude. And that was my very first interaction with you. And I want to say that you were very helpful to me when I had maybe 15, 20 subscribers on YouTube, and I'm just getting started. And, uh, you know, I would ask you questions Now we had some interactions a little bit. And I remember one time I wrote a comment and you wrote me back and I was all excited. <laughs> so folks, I, uh, I asked this guest to come on, Evan Charlie. He is affiliated with the community of Christ. Uh, you, uh, you joined in 2021. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, February 6th, 2021. And so Evan, I just want to welcome to the show, man. Thanks. It's good to finally be on here. So Evan, we've been talking for a while about him coming on and uh, we're trying to put stuff together and uh, you came to me with a proposal. And so we're going to talk about some interesting things about the community of Christ. And uh, I, I find it to be fascinating because they have a process of doing things. I think members of other branches might also be interested in hearing. I just also want to say that you recently started a podcast called Heart of Discernment. Mm hmm. And uh, you have a special co-host on there, uh, L. Ray Henriksen, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Who I've talked to. Maybe talk a little bit about what that podcast is all about while we're doing this. Uh, so Heart of Discernment, we're actually just getting started with it. Uh, we are going to talk about some of the, the more controversial, more difficult conversations in Community of Christ that aren't necessarily happening um, elsewhere or in a centralized location. And so... One of the first things that we're going to talk about on the podcast is all of the resolutions, all of the legislation that's being proposed at World Conference next year. That's great. Yeah. And so I wish you luck on that. And I think what we're going to do is once you get a few episodes in the can, I'm going to have you back on and we're going to talk about your podcast. OK, because I want to help you. Let's out. do it. So uh, we have. Uh, and of course, I've actually seen you on Beyond the Walls with John Hamer. So you uh, also would you consider yourself a member of that congregation or how does that work? Absolutely. So even though I'm over here in Boise, Idaho, uh, my church membership is in the Toronto, Ontario, Canada congregation. Things aren't geographically bound in Community of Christ, which is really neat. And so I'm one of the more active members of the congregation, and I've never met my pastor in person before, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you just dawned on me. I'm good. I, I think I'm going to, he's going to be a John Whitmer this year. So if, so that's going to be great to finally meet him. And one day I would love to visit that congregation in Toronto as well. So, yeah. So, you know, as you know, Evan, I have a lot of connections with the community of Christ. And when I first started my program, I actually started I, Lachlan McKay or Lachlan was the very first notable person that I met. And that was with a um, community of Christ, the third um book club for Joseph Smith, the third biography uh, written by Roger Lanius, who's been on my program, interestingly enough. Right. And, uh, and so I've had this deep, really cool connection with community of Christ, because when I first approached them, it was like, okay, these feel familiar enough to me. They kind of feel like they're Methodists, you know, and I've dealt with them. So they feel a little more Protestant. And so it was great. So when I first started the channel, I was like, man, I'm going to be really big in the community of Christ. And I was like, that's a good place to be. And then all of a sudden, everything else happens in Utah and it goes crazy and the channel explodes and everything like that. But I will always be grateful to the kindness shown to me by the folk at the community of Christ. And that's why I think it's such a cool and awesome church. And so when you had talked about your first podcast about the legislation of what's going on in your church, 
Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me because basically you guys have a process of basically on the congregational level, if you wanted to make a proposal of for the church, um, like within governance or about or resolutions and stuff like that, you can do it from the local level and it works its ways up. So what I want you to do is explain to me uh, what you are proposing and, and what is the process of uh, making this happen? And, and basically, you also want to come on to kind of lobby in favor of what you're doing. So let's talk a little bit about that. Cool. Yeah, I've uh, I've thought about making like a little parody of the Schoolhouse Rock, how a bill becomes a law, yeah. um, how a resolution becomes a world conference resolution. <laughs> um, and so how the process kind of works, and these resolutions are really kind of like Uh, community of Christ stances or like we direct the first presidency or some other church body to do something. Um, And, you know, it's legislation. It's awesome. And so how the process works is somebody comes up or recognizes a need um, with something that needs to be done. And then you write something out and then you take it to a congregational business meeting. And there's maybe like two or three of those a year, uh, depending on the congregation. And you go there and you say, you know, I'd really like to consider us passing this as a resolution as a congregation. And then from there, um, at your next mission center conference, um, which is kind of the next, you know, jurisdictional level up, um, you do the same kind of thing where we're like, we pass this as a resolution. We'd like to talk about this as a mission center. And then the mission center debates it. they can modify it, veto it, support it. Um, but if it gets passed, then it goes on to the World Conference. And World Conference um, is rather unique where it, it very much is like a legislative session where like you debate things, which is interesting. And uh, we, we send delegates, kind of like the House of Representatives um, in, here in America, where like certain mission centers will have a certain amount of delegates that they're able to send to the world conference to represent their mission center and everything like that. And what is a mission center? What does that mean? Um, A mission center is like a group of congregations. Um, For LDS folks, it's rather similar to a stake where it's like like there's wards and then there's stakes kind of a deal. Um, It's the same kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, And at World Conference, we have everybody from around the world come uh, to the temple lot in Independence, and we debate the legislation, and it's a whole whole to do. It's pretty great. That's cool. So you have delegates coming through all all the world, Mm -hmm. and and so you imagine like there will be other resolutions that will also be presented at this conference. Um, I, Correct. I, I, okay. There are fifteen this year, this next oh, year. Okay. You know, is that normal, or is that more than usual, or less? Do you know? You know, I am not entirely sure. This is going to be my first world conference. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so I want you to tell us a little bit about the resolution that you are proposing, uh, if that's what you call it. I, would resolution be the right word to say that you're going to be proposing to general conference? I believe so. Okay. 
So maybe just share what was what gave you this idea to do this. What was what was it that kind of spawned it, and then and then the process of you writing it, and then deciding you're going to go for it. Mm -hmm. So my resolution is called the Universal Scripture Access Resolution, and the reason why I really felt like this was important, and this is something that I wrote, took the to the congregational level, the mission center level, and I'm going to speak to it on. Uh, the floor at World Conference as well. Um, I, like I said, I'm a relatively new convert to Community of Christ. And when I was looking into Community of Christ, I was really interested in the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, statistically, we canonize new scripture about every three to four years, if you look through our history. And, but the Community of Christ website only has about the five most recent sections of the DNC. And there are some pivotal identity forming or sections of the DNC that we canonized way back in the day, but aren't accessible on the church's website. For example, in 1984, we canonized DNC 156, which gave women access to the priesthood. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a huge thing that has been pivotal in Community of Christ Identity, and it's just not accessible on the church's website. Oh. And so I talked to people and they were like, well, just buy a copy. And I was like, well, I can't really afford a copy right now. And folks said, well, I'll email or I'll, I'll mail one to you. I said, well, I feel a little uncomfortable that I had to announce my financial state in order to gain access to the scriptures. <laughs> Um, and then think of the people in the developing world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all of the physical scriptures are shipped from independence. Um, and so if you're shipping internationally, it can get pretty expensive too. Mm -hmm. Now we do have some digital copies uh, for sale on Amazon, but you can run into the same problem of like, I don't have the ability to expend that much money right now. Um, and a lot of people feel uncomfortable supporting Amazon because of some of their business practices. Mm -hmm. And so I saw this need for us to create an easily accessible, uh, edition of our scriptures online for free. And so I decided to, to do something about it. And so I, uh, uh, wrote it up, took it to my congregation. We tweaked it a couple of different places, and then we brought it to the mission center level, and it passed by about 93%. Um, so there's just resounding support for it. A lot of people were saying, like, we should have done this 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you got to be the change, and I've tried to be the change. You know, this is this is what I think is really cool. And I, and I, I actually want to talk in a little bit. We're going to talk about your background, too. But this mm -hmm. is the thing, is that... You know, you I've I've gone to a couple community of Christ services and it skews quite old. And uh, for you, you recognize like, hey, if we want to make our ex a church accessible, especially in the 21st century world, this should have been done a long time ago. It hasn't been done. You recognize that, hey, I'm this new convert, and I would like people need to get access to our scriptures, you know, mm -hmm. free and uh, and 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 be like a user friendly format, and you can get to you know get to easy access to it on the website. 
now a lot of people, you know, they're older and technology, they don't recognize the technology, but this is the thing, like, see, you're the future of the community of Christ. And I imagine that John Hamer is all on board with what you're doing. Um, he's a techie guy too. And so, yeah, you recognize this need because, you know, and, and so like, was it shocking to you that when you go there and you're like, they don't have the resolution from 1984 accessible on their website? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was a bit baffling for me where I was like, what? Like, come on. <laughs> um, the, the thing that really surprised me, um, so in the aftermath of canonizing DNC 156, about 30% uh, of the church split off. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those folks ended up creating their own churches. Um, and one of them is called the Restoration Branches. Now, the Restoration Branches has already done this. They already have the scriptures online for free. Hmm. Um, and they have since 1999. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, I'm like, you know, the folks that broke off from us are ahead of the curve. We should, you know, catch up in this regard. And I'm trying to trying to do that. Good for you. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, now, of course, I've been in touch with some of those groups as well. Um, and they're, 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 uh, they're cool people too. You know, there's some really good people in those independent restoration branches and, mm -hmm. you know, I, they had the part ways that that happens in churches all the time, but I want to say that I, I actually get a lot of love from them folk. And I want to tell you, I, I love you guys too. Yeah. Um, we're all family. Was, all cousins. The, yeah, that's right. They're cousins. Yeah. That's it's the restoration is all one big family folks. Mm -hmm. Um, the other, there's another resolution in 1984 that also passed. And that was that that was when they had the uh, right, the idea to build a temple. That's another biggie that's not in there, you know, because they did two re major resolutions in 1984. Was so to clarify, okay, resolutions and sections of the DNC oh, yeah. are two separate things. I got it. So added to the Doctrines and Covenants, another section, and, and it talked about, well, I see actually within the, isn't it within the same section of it conferring is. priesthood that they also then confer, that they decide they're going to build the temple. Is that correct? Um. Yes. Okay. Uh, 156 does talk about the temple. Okay. Um, the announcement of the temple was actually in DNC 149, okay. um, which took place quite a few years earlier. But it was one of those like, we need to talk and like reaffirm that we're going to build the temple. Okay. Um, they thought that uh, um, doing that uh, at the same time as ordaining women was a good idea. Mm -hmm. uh, the temple originally was very much seen as a conservative thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so they tried to, with GNC 156, appeal to the more theologically liberal folks by giving women access to the priesthood and appeal to theologically conservative folks by moving forward with the temple. Yeah. Um, and it still ended up being very divisive, but... Uh, you know, we got the temple and I love the temple. Yeah, it's yeah, a beautiful facility. I haven't been inside it yet. I hope to get there this time. I'm in independence. And uh, yeah, so that is a fascinating story because yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. And it's appeared that the, the conservatives 
it was that they went too far in their mind with conferring the priesthood on females and they felt almost like that temple was not legitimate in their eyes because like you said like 30 percent of the people left and that was quite a devastating i mean that's quite significant <clears throat> to any church to lose almost a third of your of your congregations and i know people on both sides i know one of the first females that was ordained and i know a person who's an apostle in one of those groups that his congregation was the very first church to leave the rlds as it was called at the time so it was quite a big, big historical event you know, within mm -hmm. the community of Christ. And it's not really talked about because, well, it's the community of Christ. And I'm like, no, this is an interesting story because um, you got temples, you got priesthood authority. I mean, it's all the same lingo, man. So it's just really cool. So let's let's do a screen share. Let's maybe share with the audience yeah. um, what your resolution looks like. Yeah, let me share my screen here. I have a dual monitor set up here. You get all fancy, man. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, as he's uh, setting up, I, I'm going to leave a link uh, to the Community of Christ website if you're interested in hearing more about the Community of Christ and its beliefs. And hopefully uh, one day we'll also have all the scriptures and, <laughs> and all the DNCs in there as well. So, and that's always fun. I like, I, and by the way, folks, I was talking to Evan about this today because I'm just going to keep talking until he gets this thing set up. Is um, was there <laughs> a lot of people don't realize this, but if you go to Wikipedia, um, all the different sects, all the different groups within the restoration, the smaller groups, and everybody, um, initially, many of those were written by John Hamer. So he took the uh, the really, I mean, he was he was foresaw the importance of doing this. So he wrote like the first histories on Wikipedia for these various branches. Cause you and I were talking about a, a branch and I was like, oh, tell me more. I'm like, oh yeah, I know which one group you're talking about. And, uh, and so, yeah, but the John Hamer of the community of Christ played a major role in building out the, the history and the story of the restoration in particular of those smaller groups. So check out all the different groups on Wikipedia and John Hamer was the guy that got the ball rolling on those. So Evan, you got, there we go. Perfect we go. timing. See, yeah. I, I can feel, I can feel, I can do whatever I need to do. <laughs> Making it as long happen. as I don't have to edit. <laughs> so, okay, tell us what we're looking at here. Okay, so this is the link for all of the resolutions that we're discussing at conference next year, but I have it zoomed in to the one that I helped write. Okay. And so it says, whereas. World Conference Resolution 1216 declares that a primary purpose of the church is to fulfill Christ's mission of preaching good news to the poor, and whereas the mission initiative Abolish Poverty and Suffering specifies that we are to be reaching out through compassionate ministries that serve the poor, and whereas Doctrine and Covenants section 1 verse 6a teaches, and again verily I say unto you, O inhabitants of the earth, I, the Lord, am willing to make the scriptures known unto all flesh, for I am no respecter of persons. And whereas Doctrine and Covenants, section 142, verse 15b teaches, and I give unto you a commandment, that then ye shall teach the scriptures unto all men, for they shall be taught unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. And whereas community of Christ currently only makes the inspired version of the Bible, which is the Joseph Smith translation, mm -hmm. the Book of Mormon, and the Doctrine and Covenants available for purchase through Herald House or Amazon, and whereas Community of Christ fosters the concept of the worth and equality of all persons 
and it is important to understand that there are many people whose financial situations bar them from being able to expend the resources to purchase a copy of scriptures. Therefore, be it resolved that the first presidency or a committee it so designates be directed to explore ways that digital editions of the scriptures be made available for no charge and be easy to access through the church's website or similar platform in Community of Christ's current three core languages of English, Spanish, and French, and other language translations as they become available. Oh, that's cool. Now, let me ask you, like, that's very well put together. How much time did you spend um, working on that? Um, maybe I, I talked to, it was in the conceptual stage for quite a while. Okay. Um, I have a friend in Australia named Rick and his wife, M, who I was talking to about this. And, you know, they're in Australia. And so they're like physical copies or an arm and a leg to get them shipped over here. We need digital ones. And it, it was in the conceptual phase for quite a while. And finally, when I, you know, put pen to paper, so to speak, it took maybe a week and a half to write this. Um, and then my congregation made some tweaks to some language, some folks that have helped uh, other resolutions be passed, um, said you should phrase it like this or like that, and everything like that. But uh, um, what you see here is what we passed last year um, as a congregation, and then we approved it on the mission center level uh, late last year, early this year. Can't remember when mission center conference was, but they didn't recommend any changes, and everybody was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So. Fascinating. Now, this is interesting, too, because you point out that you wanted the primary languages. And of course, when you if you watch the Beyond the Walls of Services, they have the three main languages for the sermon. So they have it in English, Spanish and French. Now, can you tell us why there's so many French speakers in the church? Because it sounds because they're, it's really fascinating that there are particular areas in um, island nations, if you will, that um, are, are very, very community of Christ. Maybe talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Yeah, so Tahiti is one of the epicenters of Community of Christ. Um, the and it's it's a really fascinating story. I don't know if you've heard the story of why Tahiti is uh, one of our epicenters. Way back in the day, during Joseph Smith Jr. his era, uh, we sent missionaries out, and they stopped in Tahiti and organized a congregation and converted some people, taught them the spirit of God, and, you know, they joined the church. Um, Joseph Smith Jr. was killed, and all of the missionaries came back, and, you know, the succession crisis happened, and the church schismed a whole bunch, and everybody just kind of forgot about the congregation in Tahiti. And so when you know, the church was reorganized. We started sending missionaries out. Um, we sent some folks and the missionaries just happened to come upon this congregation in Tahiti. They didn't know it was there. They sat in on a service and they started singing spirit of God. And everybody was like, what is going on? You already have it. <laughs> wow. Um, and that, you know, everybody from that congregation ended up joining the reorganization um, after that. They hadn't heard anything from, you know, independence in decades by that point. 
They were like, yes, let's do it. And that was such a profound experience for us that even on, uh, you know, our original community of Christ seal, our logo, we have a palm tree mm-hmm. and that palm tree was meant to, yep. um, you know, it's in Tahiti kind of a deal. That's so cool. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, in French Polynesia, they speak French. And so it's very, very important for us to have um, these different translations for folks in the church so that they can be part of the church. Um, yeah, that's a great story. By the way, do, is there anything else you want to do on screen share or do you want to exit out? Or do oh, you want to go? I'll exit out. Okay. There we yeah. Go. <laughs> so I, mean, I, I love the stories of the community of Christ. And I've heard of some of that story before, but I wanted the audience to hear it because it's a really fascinating thing that you had this church that was basically set off from from the mainland if you are from america and had no and, and but they kept on going and mm-hmm. uh well I, I presume they had their books of mormon right uh mm-hmm. they had their their hymns and they had uh, so they just kind of kept going and then the reorganized come there and they're the group that basically they decided to align themselves with so that's kind of culturally a place where the community of christ is is big you know, and it is very influential in that in that island nation. And that's really a cool story. And so that's why, folks, it, it needs to be done in French as well. Um, so now, when is your general conference? Now, it, so basically, this is going to be one of 15 resolutions that are going to be presented to general conference. That's the next step, right? So maybe tell me why, first of all, for those of you who are Community of Christ people who are considering um, uh, or are going to be a delegate to this, perhaps, Evan, we could also use this as an opportunity as to why they should consider supporting your resolution. Mm -hmm. So conference next year is April 22nd to the 23rd of 2023. Um, And you know, one of the reasons why I think this is so important is because so much of the Doctrine and Covenants is our journey with the divine. We have canonized this because it is so, speaks so profoundly to our journey. And we should be sharing our journey, our story, our sacred story with everybody, um, to anybody who will listen. And I feel like having the, the scriptures, our sacred story online, just makes sense to be able to introduce people to who we are and what we value and what our journey has been. Um, and when I was looking into Community of Christ, having this more easily accessible would have been so wonderful. And I want to help others who are interested in Community of Christ to be able to access that story. And let's talk a little bit about your story. Okay. Um, just give us a little background because originally you were you have a, a background actually in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. So maybe just talk a little bit about that background and, and then your journey that led you into the community of Christ, but also yeah. made a step, stop into Buddhism for a while too. So you can talk about that too. I did. <laughs> so I was raised here in Boise, Idaho, uh, grew up LDS. Um, and uh, did seminary, church, all that sort of stuff. And um, I, I, uh, I had a bit of a negative experience with a bishop and was like, I think I might just do, you know, like church home for a little while, study church history, scriptures on my own. 
kind of a deal. And in seminary, I loved the Joseph Smith Jr. era that we studied. Um, the Doctrine and Covenants to this day is still one of my favorite books of scripture. Okay, um, cool. And so I started uh, researching, and this is back in 2015. Um, and I came across the ex-Mormon subreddit. And at that time, there were less than 20,000 people who were subscribed to that. That was well over 200,000, isn't it? Yeah, it's a completely different beast nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there were a ton of people that were like, you should read the CES letter. You should read the CES letter. And on February 6th, 2015, I did read the CES letter in one eight-hour sitting. And I went from believing L lifelong LDS member to an atheist in about eight hours. It was traumatic and devastating. Um, it was difficult. And uh, in the aftermath of that, I'm a very spiritual person. Spirituality has always been a cornerstone of my life. But in the aftermath of that, I couldn't stomach Abrahamic religions. Um, and so, you know, I looked east and I found a podcast called uh, the Secular Buddhism Podcast, who's run by an ex-Mormon who lived out of Park City named Noah Rochetta. Um, fantastic dude. And he broke down Buddhism in such a way that it was very, very easy to understand, very palatable, um, very interesting, and very helpful um, during that spiritual transition in my life. And I, I talked to Noah and got to know Noah and everything like that. And he said, I, I asked like, hey, I know you just are finishing up a Buddhist ministry course. Could you tell me more about that? And he told me all about it. And um, the ministry course he was going through was called Bright Dawn Center of Oneness, um, which is based out of Coarse Gold, California. And I said, I think I want to take that. Would you write a letter of recommendation for me? And he did. And I ended up uh, going into this Buddhist ministry course. And it was about a two-year course. And I learned a lot about myself, about spirituality. Um, I became a universalist out of that, um, where Buddhism was just another way of, you know, going up the mountain, another path up the mountain to, you know, the divine or what have you. And after I got ordained, I was like, all right, now what? What's my next spiritual adventure? And at this time, I had been moderating the Mormon subreddit for mm -hmm. um, several years. For those, I, I don't think we've explicitly said it because my username is impossible to pronounce. It's Guillerio de Kell, um, which Steve, this is the first time I'm actually saying that on camera. So <laughs> you got the scoop. Oh yeah, on your website. So I bet you can't pronounce it. Yeah, oh, really, is it okay if I leave a link for your website? Uh... Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And, and guys, just so everybody knows, okay, this guy, this dude, this individual, this very important person was a legend on Reddit. And I remember when I got you commenting on it, I was like, whoa, I got your attention of this Garadekal guy <laughs> or a person I didn't even know, right? I mean, I didn't, I didn't know male, female or whatever. I didn't know mm -hmm. who you were. 
But boy, I thought that was so cool because man, you were so on top of everything that was going on Reddit in that world. So everybody, this is, please, please say it again. Guillermo de Kell. Okay, that's impossible. What a great thing to do. And why? what made you decide to come up with that name? I I didn't want a username that I had to put like 1994 or something like that afterwards. Yeah. And so like it basically guarantees that's me, uh, which is yeah. a lot of fun. The username's yeah. never taken. <laughs> <laughs> never will be. Yeah, so that's really cool. So you so now you're engage you're engaging folk on on Reddit. Mm -hmm. And so maybe talk about like, okay, so you start becoming one of the admins or whatever, or moderators on, on the Mormon Reddit. Um, yeah. So I, I became an admin over there about the time I started my Buddhist ministry course. Um, and by the time I finished my course, um, I really, I, I have always felt this very, very deep connection to, uh, the restoration. Um, the missionary who converted my family uh, was called on a mission and his call is canonized in the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, so it's it's like my, that's my family history right there in the scriptures. And mm -hmm. so like, it's, it's such a deep part of me. And I really wanted a community where I could express and explore where we as a people could go in the future. And I loved the Mormon subreddit, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. I was looking for somebody like, you know, like now I hang out with folks in my church twice a week. Um, and, you know, we talk about our successes in life and our, you know, our sorrows. My, my father passed away this year. And 30 minutes after he passed away, uh, Brittany Mangelson of the Project Zion podcast was taking me out to lunch, mm. which was just wonderful being able to have a community like that. Yeah. And so I craved something like that. And this is back in 2019, 2020 that I'm, I'm looking for this. And um. You know, I reach out to Brittany Mangelson, I reach out to John Hamer, and they give me a whole bunch of resources and they start chatting with me and everything like that. And eventually I sit down with John and I said, you know, if I can be a valued member of this congregation, I would like to join. And he said, you will absolutely be a valued member of this community. And two months later, I had Brittany and John confirmed me, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I, uh, it was on the sixth anniversary of me leaving the LDS church. So I kind of see it as like an open and closed time period mm. in my life, which, wow. uh, yeah, that's, that's remarkable. And so you were looking for a community and Mormon was kind of a community of the subreddit, but now you found a church home. Mm -hmm. that you can call you know this is the thing you know i you know i come from a more evangelical background and i remember when i first had john hamer on i was like you know this is this is different for me but we had one of actually john hamer said it was one of his best interviews he really really enjoyed doing he it. he does a lot too so that's a compliment yeah. it, it, he really you know, he was he's he was on board early on which was really cool it meant a lot to me and i you know i 
not every church is for everyone. Mm-hmm. So like, even like when I'm talking to like evangelicals and they don't like, like progressive churches, right? They, they there's a they, side eye. I said, you know what? This is the thing is like, that's, that's the church that they need to go to. That's the church that they feel comfortable at in the place that they feel at home. Now you may not agree with their theology, but you also have to realize is that, you know what? They talk about Jesus. They, they, they use the scriptures. They also talk about spirituality. They're, they're, they're informing a community and they're using Christian ideas and values in that church. So at least understand that everybody's on a journey and that's how I see it. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think that when I watch John Hamer and when I engage him, it's like, you know, for some people like you who in an eight hour span becomes an atheist, <laughs> your, 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 your whole shelf crumbles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got to put it all together. So now you go on this journey, you go to Buddhism, you probably become more um, progressive in your ideas. Your world becomes wider, a much larger world. Um, and then, but then there's something calling you back because that was so key to me when you said your favorite scripture, I don't hear this too often, is the doctrine and covenants. Mm-hmm. And that's fascinating to me. And so now everything makes sense to me. You know, you were a doctrine and covenants Mormon. <laughs> you lose everything. And now you find a, a community and you can be a doctrine and covenants community of Christ person. Mm-hmm. And that must be so cool for you. And and I, I'm kind of rambling, but I, I kind of like the story that you've put together here. Now, when you first encountered their version of the doctrines and covenants, how did you feel reading theirs? Well, a lot of them are very, very similar. A lot of them in the Joseph Smith Jr., are a lot of times are identical. Like DNC 76, it's the same number in, you know, with what I grew up with, with what I have now. Um, and reading, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like I said, it's our sacred story. It's our journey. Um, in 1865, Community of Christ came down and said, people of color, have access to the priesthood. 1865, the civil, US Civil War was still going on when we had that revelation. And that's DNC 116. Um, and like being able to see that part of our sacred story is just awesome. And seeing, you know, with 156, women getting the priesthood and with 164, LGBT folks like myself, um, you know, having our worth recognized and affirmed and everything like that. It's just yeah. incredible seeing, you know, the spirit still breathe within my community and us hearing it um, and us taking it seriously by putting those whisperings into scripture. Hmm. Um, oh, that's it, cool. It's wonderful. I love it. That's great. That's great. And then you get to be part of just this church and, uh, it's really cool for you. And you had mentioned possibly doing ministry and stuff like that. And this, that's what leads me to my next question, because you send me this message today and you're, and you're like callings and this and that. And I'm like, this is really big folks. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? So when you sent me something that the community of Christ put out today, you, it was to you, it's a big deal of what's going on in the church. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So today, um, it was announced a whole bunch of changes uh, that are happening to uh, 
you know, the world church leaders. So we have a couple of apostles that are retiring, a couple of new apostles that are being called, and the presiding bishopric, which is in charge of the finances of the church, is being completely reorganized. Um, now, we've been in kind of an interesting situation where our presiding bishop, Stacy Cram, is also uh, a counselor in the first presidency. Um, that doesn't happen very often uh, where they're wearing two hats like that. Uh, but Stacy was just released as the presiding bishop. And Apostle Ron Harmon is going to be the pre presiding bishop moving forward. And uh, uh, it's exciting, but also kind of a bummer. But Carla Long, the Salt Lake City pastor, is going to be a member of the presiding bishopric moving forward. Yeah. And so Salt Lake's losing their pastor, but you know, their loss is the entire church's gain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing, the biggest thing for me about this, um, in my mind, Steve has been the president of the church for quite a while at this point. And that'd be Stephen Vesey, right? Steve Vesey, yes. Yep. Um, he, if you look back in time at the, the ages of the presidents when they retire or they pass away, in addition to the length of their tenure, Steve is going to be at the average, the median age that presidents retire at. And his tenure is already longer than the average tenure of the president of the church. So there's a very real possibility that Steve Vesey may be retiring at conference next year. Okay. Um, and I last year looked at a whole bunch of the different historical precedents of how presidential succession works in community of Christ. And there isn't one standardized system like there are in some of the other restoration churches. But the one that really stuck out was um, a member of the first presidency becoming the president of the church. Now, the members of the First Presidency right now are Steve Vesey, Stacey Cram, and Scott Murphy. Scott Murphy is a teacher, whereas Stacey has a PhD in organizational management. Mm. And she was just released from her other church duties to focus more on First Presidency duties. Okay. And so I have a sneaking suspicion that Steve in the next couple of months may appoint Stacy as his successor. Wow. So, so we're going to have the second largest branch in the restoration as early as next spring, possibly in your estimation, be the president of the church. And it would be prophet seer and revelator, right? Yep. Prophet of the church. <laughs> that is so cool. Mm -hmm. So you heard it here first, folks. It looks like there's a chance we're going to have ourselves a, uh, a female president of the community of Christ. What a major historical th thing that is going to be. Wow. Just speculation at this point, but uh, I think educated I, guess. An educated guess. So this, hey, you heard it here. Like I said, you heard it here first, folks. And I think that's a really interesting analysis because you said when when you when you saw that come through, you were getting bombarded by people 
wanting to get your feeling because I think a lot of people, my, other people were probably kind of thinking, hey, we got something brewing here. Mm -hmm. Connect all the dots. And boy, in organizational, you know, her, that's her the structure. And oh, man, that, that, wow, that's pretty wild. So, mm -hmm. And we only have our conference every three years. So conference is like a really big deal for us. Yeah. Yeah. And he's okay. It sounds to me like there's a lot of groundwork being laid here. Fascinating. What stuff. it feels like. Yeah. Well, who knows, folks? You heard the speculation here. Very interesting stuff. I, I think that's, and, and this is the other thing, folks, too. You know, I want you all to go check out my interview I did with Sandra Tanner. Because one of the key things I did with that interview was nobody had really ever asked her about her. Um, her time when Gerald and Sandra Tanner became what they would consider born again Christians. They were baptized into a restorationist church and it was done by Pauline Hancock who found it was the, the very first, as far as you know, the very first female founder of a restoration church. And so, uh, and that's a great story. So I'm going to leave a link in that for you all to watch that too, because that's an important historical thing that happened there too. But this is really big. Because now it really, um, I don't know, it just it just kind of makes everything full circle when you consider that they conferred the priesthood in 1984. Um, it just makes sense that eventually this day would come. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pretty cool, dude. Yeah. So I just want to say, first of all, I, I mentioned to you um, how kind and caring the church, the people of the community of Christ were to me and very warmly embracing of me. When I first started this thing, I hadn't even started my channel. And I just said my first engagement. And I was impressed with just the, the kindness, the warmth that I felt. And I just want to thank you because, you know, um, I feel that same kindness uh, from you. Um, I think that uh, our interactions have always been uh, positive. Um, I got to meet you finally in the flesh at Sunstone and you were exactly who I thought you would be, you know, a kind, thoughtful person um, who thinks things through, thinks about things, ponders things. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you. I think you're a good, good person. Thanks. It was lovely meeting you and hanging out with you and getting to know you at Sunstone as well. Yeah, it was. And, and I want to just thank you so much um, for coming on because I think that um, it's important that we have these conversations because this is big news, right? Uh, if potentially, you know, first of all, your resolution is important because it gets your church into the 21st century. Um, mm -hmm. And then it really gets into the 21st century when you have your first female, possibly have your first female president, which is very exciting. But also, I'm glad too that just you got to share a little bit about your story. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to have you come back again down the road because I'd maybe like to talk a little bit more about your story, but also talk about um, your podcast. So I want I want you to do I want you to tape a half dozen or so episodes and and then come back on and report to me like how's it going? Uh, what kind of responses are you getting? Are you are you causing a lot of controversy? You know, <laughs> I have a feeling you're the kind of person you're not. Like I saw I see how you were online. You weren't afraid to get into get into it. So um, you're yeah. you're prepared for it. Sometimes things just need to be said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're always one of the boldest people on Reddit. I mean, like. On Reddit, folks, like he was one of the boldest ones. So you always shared your opinions. You were very thoughtful in your opinions, but also could be forceful when you felt that, that it was the time and the place and the season to do so. Mm -hmm. So I just want to thank you also really because you're my um, engaging of Mormonism also was also on Reddit. So I learned a lot um, 
about you, but also about the church and where you're coming from and also about the community of Christ. So thank you so much for actually playing a part in informing this channel mm -hmm. uh, in the way that you have. Yeah. So you're awesome, dude. Yeah, you're pretty cool too. <laughs> so folks, uh, oh, by the way, is there anything else you want to share with the, with the audience before we uh, wrap this up? If you're a delegate at World Conference next year, vote in favor of the Universal Scripture Access Resolution. You know, I was involved in politics. Maybe I'd meet your campaign manager. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thanks again so much, Evan, for coming on today. And I want to thank my audience for sitting in on this conversation. Um, this is this is what this channel is all about. Um, having these interesting conversations. Uh, I, you know, I love this kind of stuff. Like if I didn't, if I wasn't, if somebody else was doing this, I'd just be watching it, but nobody else is. So I'm like, hey, let's talk about the machinations and the bureaucracy and the process of how a bill becomes a law, if you will, <laughs> within the context of uh, of the community of Christ. I also just want to remind my audience that if you, uh, uh, to don't forget to like and subscribe and also hit the, make sure you hit the notification button for when a new episode comes out. Also, uh, don't forget we are on all the major podcast formats. Um, we're working on getting caught up on the podcast, by the way. Um, there's also links in the description if you would like to support our channel via P PayPal and uh, Patreon, as well as the merch store, mormonbookreviews.com. We're adding new stuff all the time. It's really cool. We really appreciate those of you who are purchasing. I also want to thank all the people who are financially contributing and underwriting this channel. Just remember one thing, folks, as always, all the voices of the restoration will be heard on Mormon Book Reviews.